Welcome to another episode of the Scriptural Cliff Note Sessions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today is Monday, February 8th, 2022. This is a daily lesson. This lesson was, I just thought of this lesson, actually, it came so quick. So I wanted to just talk about this. And it's not going to be a long lesson, but I just had something on my heart. And I guess the walk was dealing with me. So I just wanted to, sorry, I just wanted to um, get this out there. So like I said, today is the 8th of February, 2022. And this daily lesson is going to discuss, um, it's like a mod podge of things, but I will name it, what is in your heart? That's what I, that's what I'm naming it. Um, what is in your heart? And I'm naming it that, and this is for the generations, all of us now on earth. Um, there's multi-generations on earth. And, you know, we wondering what's, what's going on in people's hearts right now, especially during this atmosphere. When I say atmosphere, I mean this time during the pandemic, all of the things going on, global warming, all the stressors that people are going through, all the traumas going, that people are going through. That's what I, that's what I mean. Um, so um, I just want to give a little bit of information about um, generations and what's going on in people's hearts. Um, um, it used to be, because I'm a woman of a certain age, it used to be a time, and I guess this goes for everybody, um, I guess, you know, because I talked about uh, systems, and I talked about the various systems that um, society interacts in. I'm just going to give you a little bit of information about it again, and we have different systems. We have a microsystem that is a system between your um, direct family. And a lot of times when children are small, that's who they really mainly interact with. So when they start interacting with them and you're being nurtured and loved and supported by those people, and I'm just talking about typically, because I'm not every person has been treated this way. We know this um, as society or else there wouldn't be um, child protective and the police going to people's house and children being neglected. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just a regular system and um, on a, a micro level. So typically what's supposed to happen, ideally, I guess, um, people are supported and people are loved and they're nurtured and they're taught various things and yada, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, when you get older, you have that, you know, you have that foundation of love and support and that's what you saw. That's what you experienced. You have that, um, that, um, support and that foundation. That's where the foundation is supposed to come from. Your first loves, your mother and your father. And, you know, um, like I said, if everything is well, and I'll just say the typical, uh, family, because we already know, um, it, it's not, true for every household, but I'm not talking about every household. Uh, I'm talking about typically. So um, when you grow older, the system, your, your community um, gets larger. So now it's the meso system. And it's basically um, your neighborhood, um, um, your block, um, your school, your friends, you know, visiting people, your communities, you know, it gets a little bigger. So it's the meso system, which is like a medium system. I mean, you're being more exposed to different people, um, different thoughts, different nations, different ideas, different ways of living from other people. So, you know, you kind of um, live and learn about different systems, whether it be positive or negative. So it may be a little negative or it may be more positive, but whatever that system is, you still have that foundation from your parents. So that's what we have. And then when you get older, like grown, then it is 
the macro system, which is the world. I mean, the world is your oyster. Wherever you want to travel in this um, seven continents, uh, you go into different states, cities, meeting various people all over the world, blah, blah, blah. I say that to say, as your world gets larger and larger, you learn a lot of things. It could be positive. It could be negative. It could be both. And you're putting them in perspective in your mind. Now I say that because all these things shape your being and it shapes your heart. It shapes what's in your heart. Those, um, those lessons that you've learned or continue to learn shape your ideas and your ideals. Um, and it helps you to become the person that you are. Now, I'm not saying that's a positive person or a negative person. You know that, not me. But I'm saying that because um, uh, what's been happening over the, um, the years, okay, and um, from the beginnings of man, um, in those earlier generations to now, everything has changed. It used to be a little more positive than um, what it is now. Now, everybody has their own issues and stuff like that. What I like to um, say is um, we're all in the same water together, but we're in different boats. You know how people say, oh, we're all in the same boat. We are actually not all in the same boat. We're all in the same water as far as the pandemic goes. So just think of the water, because this is a metaphor. Think of the water um, as this pandemic. Okay, now everybody's in the water, but everybody has a different boat. So before this pandemic, it must have been something else that you was thinking or what was on your heart. And this affects all of us. Now, in terms of generations, um, like I said, I'm a woman of a certain age, and I can remember in the 80s and, and um, before that, when I was young, things were more supportive. People were more supportive. We were kind of shielded from the world, and I know that's usually a lot of times um, what happens. And then when you start discovering things and noticing things that were always there, they change you and they also change your heart. So um, I remember it being a little more loving, a little more positive. Um, mothers and fathers had more support for one another and they were more responsible and you saw that. And I remember myself like around the eighties when things they change a little more depending on uh, what nation it is, depending on where you live, depending on um, what your socioeconomic status was. But a lot of times when you're a kid, even depending, uh, um, well, I'm not saying dependent, even if you didn't live so um, um, more, higher on the socioeconomic pole, um, even if you didn't, you really didn't know because you were so uh, distracted or taught um, about people more than money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you had things, but you didn't, you didn't know. And I'm talking about people in my own neighborhood when I was young. Um, I didn't grow up rich, but you didn't think about rich and poor. You thought about people and you thought about the support and the little things that your heart desired, you kind of got. So it wasn't like um, you just didn't know you was poor. You didn't know you was poor until you your um, until your system became larger because then you're you were able to see what rich looked like, and then you're able to see what poor looked like. So we didn't grow up rich, but we wasn't necessarily poor. I mean, we wasn't necessarily poor but we were not rich. And I remember even in, um, when I was younger, things started to change and you just, you noticed it, even though you were growing up and you know, from um, preteens to teenagers to young adult, you saw the changes in your neighborhood. Now I was pondering over this last night and I, um, it just came to me and then I said, well, should I just make a, a lesson. No, I didn't have a lesson. It just popped in my head. 
I did not have a lesson. But as um, later on in the day uh, became, um, you know, time kept going, I said, you know, it just kept poking at me. So I said, let me, let me put something together because I, I feel like um, somebody probably needs this word, number one. And number two, I probably need to get it off my chest myself since I keep pondering over this. Now I said, I just thought of this and I did. I thought of it last night, but I didn't have anything to go with it. I was just thinking about people's hearts and generations. And I kept saying that I was gonna do something about generations because that kept sticking in my head. So I'm trying to piece this together to, uh, to let you know or to give somebody a word on how the generation is changing. And like I said, when you're young, things feel more secure. I mean, you ideally, and um, you know, uh, for the better part of people, um, people were secure. They didn't have to worry about anything. So now that we are in this time of turmoil and uncertainty, it's given me um, some time to think. So now I wanna just talk about generations. And I, you know, like I said, I'm talking about what's in your heart. So as people learn and grow and whatever they're exposed to, they're learning and in your, um, in your head and in your heart, human beings are supposedly, supposedly, excuse me, they are supposed to um, learn and grow all the time. This, this is what um, human beings do. And when you don't learn and grow continually, you stagnate and that causes a problem. But I'm really not talking about that. I'm just talking about the change in people's hearts from generation to generation. So um, I just feel like things are so negative and things were not as negative as it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It just wasn't. Um, uh, the scriptures say a lot about end times. We are in the end times and gener um, generationally, I wonder what people are thinking and feeling. So I want to talk about that. And then I'll talk about, you know, um, what the scriptures say about what's in people's hearts, especially during this time of turmoil and uncertainty. So I want to define generations. And I did pull something out. Now, we already know generations is just a human thing. It's just a human thing. Okay. But um, there is a social construct of generations and this is how it goes. And I'm gonna read it to you. And there are um, many people who um, developed the social construct of generations. And I believe they teach this in school. I'm not sure I did download some stuff, but I know it was made up by a, um, oh, I can't remember what his title is. And I may come across his name because I did download some things, but um, there's a few people who made up this um, social construct um, in regards to generations. Um, and it's a long, um, it's actually a long um, essay on how they came about this and why they do it. And it's a few people that um, put this social construct together. Although we know um, as far as human people go, there are generations, we understand that. So I'm just gonna go through some things and then I'll read to you what the generations mean in regard to the social construct. And I kind of agree with it, but then, you know, I have my own ideas, but I will go with this. Now, I have a paper that says generations. And like I said, I downloaded this. And what it does, and it says a lot when I read the titles of each generation, it says a lot. And like I said, I, I pretty much agree with what's going on. Now, there are some things, you know, as we, as whatever age you are listening to this, there are some things that you don't know what happened when, not unless you are that scholar and that's your area of expertise. 
The average person does not know what happened before they came along. We don't even think to ask the average person. You don't think to ask your um, your oldest auntie or your grandmother or whoever it is to try to gain some understanding of how they uh, became who they are, um, you know, in their psyche and and um, how your family was before you came along. And you know, sometimes when you ask these questions, you'll find out whether uh, why your family functions the way it does. So um, I'll just run by some of these um, titles just to give you an understanding of what I mean. Okay, um, there's different dates from 1890 to 2025. So I just wanna throw these at you. All right, they call um, the generation from 1890 to 1924 various um, titles. So the first title they say is um, the lost generation, and that's from 1890 to 1950. So all those people that were, and this, please, please understand that this is for the majority. It's not necessarily for everyone, okay? It's just for the majority. Um, uh, the people who put this social construct together, they were basing it on the majority. A lot of times it's not based on every human being on earth. It's just based on the, um, the social majority or the, um, the societal majority. So, you know, I understand and you should understand too that not everything that's put together concerns you or me. I'm just saying it's for the social majority. So it may or may not um, concern you or your family. So like I said, the lost generation is 1890 to 1950. And they term the lost generation from a statement, um, all of you young people who served in the war, excuse me. So we know that there was many world wars and um, and these are the wars that various countries took part in and then you may have your own wars in your own land like the civil wars i know they had various wars here just in the united states so um i suppose it's for the world war so that was the lost generation they said and then from um, 1901 to 1913 was the interbellum generation. And this generation is the lost generation, is also the lost generation, but is specified to have a different name. People born in those ages were too young to serve and fight for World War I. They were also too old to fight in World War II. So that is the interbellum generation. So now we have another uh, generation from um, 1910 to 1924, and this is the greatest generation. Now, all of them are um, in one group, but it's separated simply because of those dates. Um, and there's like different um, things that separate them, but pretty much it's all the same in that same uh, group. Then it's the greatest generation, like I said, and the greatest generation grew up mostly um, and they fought in World War II. They fought in the Civil War, that was in the United States, for their rights, um, women and men all combined powers to make their country a great one to live in. Like I said, it may not be for everybody, but it's for the um, social majority. Okay, so those are those three. And then it was the silent generation and that was from 1925 to 1945. This generation is silent because they would not speak out against the government. Now I have to say I have to add my own thing to it because I have grandparents and parents that was that era. Now anybody who is in the between 40s and 50s probably 60 between 40s and 60 years old had a parent that you couldn't get nothing out of them. You couldn't get nothing out of them. Now, if you were smart, or if you had one of those parents that was open enough just to tell you if you asked, then that's what you had. But for the most part, they were the silent generation. You couldn't get nothing out of them. It was like pulling teeth out of an alligator. You couldn't get nothing. 
even even some of them when you ask them they wouldn't tell you nothing but sometimes if you were lucky if you asked them something then they would tell you it's like don't ask don't tell if you never ask me i will never tell you they would never volunteer something they just wouldn't say anything but um like i said some of them if you ask them then they will be forthright but it wasn't a lot but i do agree with this silent generation. I totally agree because um, many of my own family members, um, grandmothers, uh, great-grandmothers, you couldn't get nothing out of them. So yes, I do agree about the silent generation. And then they have um, baby boomers from 1946 to 1964. And this generation grew up in a time when the United States was prosperous, quote unquote, and the economy boomed. So birth rates was at an all time high. So at that time, I guess um, they say, like I said, it's the social majority, not everybody. Um, this time people had enough money or there was enough programs that helped them because it wasn't like that with everybody um, to get certain things. So they, you know, they had their house with the white picket fence and they had their children and this and that, and they enjoyed their children. Um, okay. And then <clears throat> they had generation X generation X. It says from 1965 to 1979, um, generation X is known to have the greatest, excuse me, the highest rate and the highest level of education in the United States to this day. That's what they say. Generation X. I don't know why they call them Generation X, but that's what they say. Um, I don't know if I agree with that, but I guess, I don't know. I'm educated. That's, I'm, I'm in between those years. I'm pretty educated. So, um, I, I don't know if I agree with that because even now, like there's younger people that are more educated, but um, okay, I don't know. Okay, um, then they say Zennials and that's from 1975 to 1985. And this generation is known to have more traditional relationships. These relationships are kind are the kind to exist before social media and dating apps. Now, I do agree with that. Because <laughs> it was a time that, like, who who's thinking of um, um, social media and, and yada, yada, yada. Now, this time, this time is um, a time I can remember. And it was a fun time. And we didn't, we never, like, I think people... Um, during those ages, if they don't have a phone, they just don't have a phone. This was a time when a phone wasn't um, a luck, wasn't a, uh, it was a, excuse me, when it wasn't a necessity. It was a luxury. You didn't really need it. Um, this is a time when you didn't really need TV. You could listen to the radio. I mean, even all back there, you could just listen to the radio. You didn't have to, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it just was what it was. You were more people oriented. You had um, interpersonal relationships that were good, bad, ugly. I mean, this is where everything was more personal. And I, I enjoyed that time, actually. <laughs> I liked that time. It wasn't all about uh, social media and um, AI and all this other crap. Um, you just hung out and you did things and everybody was together and you party and you knew people and everything was personal and everything was memorable. And that, I enjoyed that time. Mm-hmm. So now we come with the Generation Y and the Millennials. And that was 1980 to 1994. Now, some of these interlap. So at that time, um, I guess for the masses, that's when social media started around that time. And computers got more and more um, uh, popular. Like, yeah, I remember when I first had my first job, I didn't, and I'm, uh, I'm trying not to date myself, 
but there was no there wasn't no computer it was this hard hard typewriter <laughs> i remember that hard typewriter i mean you could put whoo you could get somebody a concussion with that thing it was so heavy but uh no there wasn't i remember when those big old huge computers came out and those green little dots all over them and all you know i mean it's it was back in the days it was back and it was you look at you think about it now and you look back and you're like good grief but yeah we've come a long way so at that time the generation was being more independent with their opinions and choices i don't agree with that but i guess like i said the overlapping i can if it's overlap because if it was just 1980 to 1994 then i wouldn't agree from 1975 to 19 um 1975 to 1994 it was a lot a lot so i would group them together but you know they separate them so um the z, z excuse me zennials x-e-n-n-i-a-l-s zennials the zennials the gen y's and the millennials mixed together was um, all that time in between just growing and learning um, technology and being more savvy in all areas, I would say, because like I said, that's around my time. So um, I enjoyed those times, very memorable, very memorable. So um, yeah, like it's, it says, um, this generation is being more independent with their um, opinions, their choices. Global warming became a real issue during adulthood um, in this generation. Um, they were more likely to be cautious of energy and conservation and saving the earth. Yes, people were more passionate. I would say people were more passionate then. Yeah, they were in everything. You didn't take everything personal and all of that stuff. I just yeah, I enjoyed those those years. <laughs> and um, then there's Generation Z. Well, let me just stop. Um, it was definitely each generation is definitely, definitely much more different than the previous generation because they were more audacious during those times between 1975 and 1994, very audacious. They took risks, they weren't afraid. I mean, that was more audacious. Now think about what I just said, the generation loss to the silent generation, baby boomers that was still kind of silent because they came from the silent generation. Then generation X was kind of moving around and trying to figure it out. Now we go to the zillennials and the generation Y and millennials, they were more audacious. They were more gutsy. So yeah. They were, but then situations, and I'm not talking about um, um, in the um, majority of society, I'm talking about in the minority of society, things were changing, a lot of things, and not for the better. And I'm not going to go into those things, but people who understand what I mean in the United States, they know what I'm talking about. It wasn't fun a lot for a lot of people. But they, it, you still were ballsy. You still were audacious. You still were gutsy. You were still that. But um, situations were changing, and it wasn't necessarily the fault of the majority. Um, the the my uh, excuse me of the minority. The majority did come to um, come into play a lot. Um, there was a lot of like I said, rich and poor socioeconomics did play a big part during those times. And I'm not going to go into that. I'm just talking about what's in people's hearts and, you know, what's going on from then to now. I mean, like I said, it was always something going on. But as far as the large majority of um, social constructs, the majority um, knew what was going on. Um, they just didn't care. I would say that. And the minority um did as they always did and continue to do is try to survive and that's all i have to say about that now we got on generation z um, between 1995 to um, 2012 
And this generation is less likely to attend church and have a strong relationship with the most high. They are more likely to rely on themselves. They do not like to be under control by the government or any authority. Now, I don't know why they keep throwing the government in here, but I guess since this is a social construct for the masses, then they rely on the government. But like I said, it wasn't always that way for the socioeconomic um, uh, minority. And that's like the lower people want to talk about. It wasn't, it wasn't always that way. Like I said, it, it was pretty much the same. It probably was it's a little slower, um, the lower on the socioeconomic totem pole you are. And this is only in the United States because I didn't know what was going on um, in other parts of the world. So I would say that in regards to those generations. Now I'm looking at nine generations. And from the generation of being lost, which I thought was pretty um, interesting, to the silent generation, which I witnessed myself and just found out myself that it was a silent generation. This is why you couldn't get nothing out of them. And um, to Generation Z, like the last um, group that is, belongs to Generation Z is from 2012. Um, and then they just made up this new um, social construct um, that goes with these generations and it's called the Generation Alpha. So I guess they're starting over and this is from 2011, like I said, some of these overlap, from 2011 to 2025. Now they don't have a little um, vignette that I can read in regard to that group. But uh, I, I do have a little something. I do have a little something. And it, it basically says the new babies um, are not like the babies in the old days. Um, there's a social researcher that did some research in regards to these generations. And um, oh, I, there is a name. Um, there's somebody who wrote a book in regards to that. And um, I'm not gonna say his name. Anyway, he talks about from um, all these generations. And then he starts again with the generation alpha. So he's basically saying in the past, the individual had no power. Uh, let me just start in a, um, a little more, um, little more than that. Um, he claims that 2.5 million alphans, these are generation alpha, are born around the globe every week. These alpha kids grow up with iPads. It's more AI, it's more social media. They grow up with iPads, smartphones in hand. They know how to work it in their face. Uh, yes, they do. They know how to work it at two and three and four. These kids are technologically savvy coming out the womb. Yes, I do agree. I agree. Okay. Um, and it's basically saying um, they have a lot of control of their lives, these little ones. Um, and they're able to leverage the world and technology. Yes, um, the generation is definitely using technology to their advantage. Yes, these little ones are coming out, honey. They are, woo, they savvy. They are savvy. Now I would say we still have some of the silent generation around. Like we don't have the lost generation, those three um, areas anymore, but we do have the silent generation and the baby boomers and Gen X. And now, you know, they're getting older. So again, I go back to what is in your heart in terms of generations. Now, like I said, um, when you're young, your, um, your family is everything. You have this um, small system that you grow up in and everybody's supportive and everybody loves you. And that's how you learn. That's your, um, your foundation. Now, I don't know if um, anyone has ever discussed nurture versus nature, but I will use it in this. Usually you use it in those areas, but I will say this. Nature being the outside force, nurturing being what's in you. Like if a mother has a baby, her instinct is to nurture her baby. Whereas nature, no, 
you leave it, you leave the kid to his own vices. So I'm saying in regards to nature with society, what is happening with society? What's happening with their hearts? We understand that as time keeps moving, things keep changing and they're not changing for the better. So I wonder again, what's happening in people's hearts. Now I want to, um, I want to say a little bit of, um, I want to talk about generation a little bit and I want to define generation first. And then I want to say a little blurb about generation. Then we can keep moving on because I want to talk to you about the scriptures and what the scriptures say about the end times and about people in generations. Okay. I already explained to you about the socio, um, social construct of generations and what um, these social scientists say about generations. And like I said, it's just a, um, it's just giving you a loose um, definition of um, the majority, okay, of social norms. It's not for everybody. Okay. So um, I'm going to define generation and generation is a noun. And again, I got this from the um, Webster's Dictionary Online and it says um, the definition of generation, all of the people born and living at about the same time regarded collectively. Okay. And the synonym is a batch, a wave, a type. And then um, it says the same families have lived here for generations, quote unquote, that's an example of a sentence, excuse me. And then it says that the synonym is um, ages, age, years. And then um, it says a set of members of a family regarded as a single step or stage of descent. And then there's a little blurb like I'm gonna read now. It says a generation is quote unquote, all of the people born and living at about the same time regarded collectively. It can also be described as the average period generally considered to be about 20 to 30 years during which children are born and grow up, become adults and begin to have children. In kinship terminology, it is a structural term <clears throat> designating the parent-child relationship. It is known as biogenesis, reproduction, or procreation in the biological sciences. Now, again, I say that to say, typically what the family's job is to procreate and help to raise the children. And that's what family is about. Um, and that's what generations are about. Generations typically are those who help to nurture the next group of people that come into the world. And that's how it is. Is that important? Yes, because we as a collective family, and like I said, we are a collective family, whether people want to receive it or not, we are. Um, if you narrow down everybody's ancestor, we related to in some way. So like I said, I wonder what's in people's hearts and especially during this time and atmosphere, what people may be thinking or what traumas they went through that would bring them to this point right now in their thinking. Is it positive? Is it ne negative? What's happening? And we also want to discuss what the scriptures say about that. Now, um, I want to talk about, uh, like I said, there's, um, the scriptures say that in the end times, people are not going to be supportive, they're not going to be happy, they're not going to be nice. And there's several um, um, lessons that I've given that talked about this in the scriptures, just talk about family dynamics within the family of how you're not going to be liking each other and stuff is going to be happening. This is the truth. It's in Revelation, it's in um, Deuteronomy, um, it is shown and described in pretty much all of the Old Testament, okay? along with jealousy and all this other ugliness that can show up in families. So I wanna talk about what the scriptures say about people's hearts 
and this is good and bad, but just um, it gives you some kind of idea of what's going on in people's hearts. If it's going on in their hearts, it's going on in their heads. So this is what I want to um, say. I'm not going to be long, but I want to read some of it. Okay. And the scriptures say about the heart. And um, these are uh, different um, people in the scriptures that know that their heart is not good. Either they're asking to have a better heart or um, it's a description of hearts not being positive. So um, Psalms 51, the psalmist says, create in me a clean heart, almost high and renew a right spirit within me. Now, I say this to say again, what's going on in people's hearts? Why are people acting the way they are on top of um, this atmosphere that we are um, dealing with right now, this pandemic, that is a large situ situation on a mega scale, okay? That is, um, it affects every system. So you may have had your own traumas, your own personal traumas, or whatever's going on in the community that you was in, it may not be good, but the whole system right now is in a negative way. And we're not going um, in the other direction of positivity because the most high said every day that goes by gets more and more evil. Uh-huh. And the devil, you already know he fools the whole world. So I say this just to wonder, you know, sometimes you got to think about what's in your heart or what's in your family member's heart. Things are getting more and more negative. You want to know what people are thinking and feeling. So we go to uh, the prophet Ezekiel and Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put in you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. So the most high is saying he must take all these evil hearts and these stony hearts and these wicked hearts and these stiff neck hearts and he's going to make them better. Um, Jeremiah, which is another prophet. 17 and 10, um, I, the most high, search the heart and test the mind and give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And that's important because everybody with a wicked heart, the most high is going to deal with them. You know, a lot of times, um, like I said, not everybody um, grew up in a positive way. Um, and you know, the most high sees all this stuff and you are going to get your day. People who have not been so great and wonderful to their counterparts and their children. All right. Um, Proverbs 21 and two says every way of a man's, excuse me, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the most high weighs the heart. Now I had to stop that because hold on. I had to stop that because <laughs> I downloaded two different types of scriptures, um, the ESV and the um, KJV. And sometimes they have different words. And this is what I mean about opening up um, different scriptures because they um, say different things and it can fool you. I try to keep, uh, keep the um, KJV because that's the most, uh, the closest. Okay. So like I said, you know, there are some people who have wicked hearts. They have children, they neglect children and children don't have, um, some children don't have a, um, a real good solid foundation simply because they didn't grow up with one. So people need to check their hearts and their heads, like I said. Um, James the just four and eight says, draw near to the most high and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What does double-minded mean? Double-minded means you're believing in the most high and you believe in every other thing too. Other gods, your idolatrous, this, that, all that stuff is going on. The most high say you can't be in the middle. That's double-minded is being in the middle. You can't worship him and can't worship everything else in the world too. So that's what he means. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, uh, I already said 
10, but I'm going to start with 9 and 10 because it's very important. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? I, the most high, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Now, why is that important? That is hella important simply because I hear a lot of people go, oh, yeah, well, God got my heart. First of all, we don't know who God is. That's number one. So you already know that's a sign of a heathen. And number two, oh, yeah, he knows my heart. To say that, of course he knows your heart. He just told you through Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked. Yes. And he says, all has fallen short of his glory. So do you really believe that you are righteous? There are so many scriptures that say, no, nobody's righteous. No, not one. Uh Uh-uh everybody's falling short if you believe in your heart that you are righteous and you don't have no sin then you're a liar oh i just quoted three scriptures so people need to humble themselves and really ponder over what's going on in their minds and in their hearts okay and this is every generation okay all right so now i'm going to talk about lip service what is lip service you may ask Lip service is with the most, I mean, I'm not going to say the most high because it's Yahusha, which is the most high in the flesh. Yahusha is all used, well, in the scriptures, Yahusha is always telling people, I know your heart. I know it. So you can't just come to me and give me lip service and just talk with your mouth and your heart's not with me. So stop coming up to me doing all kinds of stuff. So this is what we're going to talk about in regards to lip service. Okay. Matthew 15 and 8 says, People draw near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is, this is people, period. That's what I'm saying. What's going on in your heart? That's why you need to look in your heart and think about what's going on in your heart and try to clean that up. Isaiah 29 and 13 says, wherefore the most high said, for as much as the people draw near to me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear towards me is taught by the precept of man. That means you listening to the world and you're not listening to the most high. Your heart is not with the most high. And this is what I mean in regards to what's in your heart. You know, these generations, they have a lot of influence over the children that come after them people need to check their hearts they do Mm -hmm. all right psalms 145 and 18 says the most high is near unto all of them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth be truthful with yourself don't keep giving the most high lip service don't keep giving yahusha lip service because they know your heart. Remember, the Ruach searches the hearts of men. That's the Ruach's position. Now, you're going to fool other people, but you sure are not going to fool the most high. Mark 7 and 21 says, from, excuse me, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you exactly what the mo- uh, what Yahusha said. This is what he said. Not everyone who says to me, teacher, teacher, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, teacher, teacher, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you hear what the um, Yahusha said? It's going to be a lot of people pretending. And he's going to be like, I don't know. I don't know you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know you. Now we're going to talk about generations. Okay. Like I said, this is a short lesson. We're just going to talk about generations. Okay. And then I'll talk about end times and then we could could, uh, end. Like I said, 
from the beginning with the lost generation, because we already know from the 1800s and the 1700s and the 1600s, there was other things too. But like I said, since this is a relatively new social construct and it's pretty much based on the world wars, think about that. So you know where people's hearts are with that too. They didn't go that far back. So now we're gonna talk about generations. And Psalms uh, 24 and six says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the most high of Israel. Selah. Then it says, um, Psalm 145 and four says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Deuteronomy 5 and 9 says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the most high, your Elohim is a jealous Elohim, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Did you hear what the most high said? He's going to be visiting the generations of the fourth and the fifth to those who don't like him, who hate him. Okay. Now, I already told you there's a lot of stuff going on in the hearts of these people in the different generations. Exodus 34 and 7 says, keep steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Look at the most I said. <laughs> the iniquity of these generations, he's going to get every last one of them. He has not forgotten. Trust me when I tell you. Trust me. So if, you're, if you grew up in a house and it wasn't so good and it wasn't so positive, it, it was actually negative and wicked, the Most High has not forgotten that. Everything is being written down. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to be perfect, but we as human beings could remember who was good and positive in our lives and who wasn't. Acts 2 and 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Ooh. Now, when was that? That was in biblical days. So from then until now, it's a crooked generation. Everybody's not going to be positive and, and righteous. Mm -mm. That along with the most I say, every day that goes by is evil. That's why you have to seek me 10 times more. That's in the book Ezra. Psalms 102 and 18 said, let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the most high. Praise y'all. That's right. What kind of foundation are you setting for your children? What kind of foundation are you helping to set for your grandchildren? And et cetera, et cetera. That's what you got to think about. Because the most high gets the last word, honey. Psalm 78 and 6 says that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So we, we want to walk straight. We don't want to walk crooked. We don't want to be a part of the crooked generation. We don't want to be a part of the world. The Most High said, if you a friend of the world, you're not a friend of his. And he's going to get the last laugh. Oh, it's going to be all kinds of stuff coming on. I didn't already told you that. This is why we, you know, we all in a pandemic, pandemic right now. Okay. Nothing at, at this magnitude has ever happened. Um, since 101 years ago okay so we seeing we are seeing some things and it, this is not the uh the end of it this is probably just the beginning you know and if you want to learn more go to um luke 21 and matthew 24 okay colossians 1 and 26 the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to the, his saints i say that the most high told our ancestors the end from the beginning. Yahusha told his saints, his apostles, the end. Yep. 
He told him. He told him exactly what was going to go on. He told him the mysteries of life. He told him all kinds of stuff. And he told him to hide the books, put them away, do what you need to do, and only share them with your spiritual friends. Now, do I know mysteries? I shall say yes. I do know mysteries. But we're not going to talk about mysteries. I'm just telling you. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the most high. Didn't I say everybody sinned? So you talking about, oh, he knows my heart. That's just lip service. Because if you really believe that you so righteous and if the, if the, um, if the, um, Yahushua Hamashiach stepped his foot down here right now, people cannot say that he, they will be worthy enough to go with him. You will be lying if you said you was worthy enough to go with him. That's why he said, don't pray for me to come down here. Don't you pray for me to come down here because when I come down here, it's going to be done. <laughs> okay? Get yourself together. Every day that you can wake up and you have breath in your lungs, you should be seeking the most high and walking with him. That's what you should do as a people. What is in your heart? What's in your heart? Now I'm going to read some scriptures that have to do with the end times. And then after that, we're going to wrap it up. Okay. Um, First Timothy, excuse me, second Timothy three, one and five says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, yep, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of the most high. That's fleshly. All these things is fleshly. Who rules the flesh? Having the appearance of righteousness, but denying the power of righteousness. Avoid such people. Then it says in um, 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. What is scoffing? <coughs> That's scoffing. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, where's the promise of his coming? They ain't gonna believe it. Forever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they was from the beginning of creation. So you know there's not gonna be belief. Along with all this um, heathenistic thinking and, and um, fleshly thinking. Luke 21 and 36 says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pray that you'll be able to withstand all the nonsense that's coming. Now, that's Luke 21 and 36. I already told you to go to Luke 21, find out what's going to happen. Matthew 24, and I already said Matthew 24 also. So this is Matthew 24 and 14. And it says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Mm. What's in your heart, people? Second Timothy, second Timothy, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, first Timothy four and one now the spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by de denoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons and that's not happening now <laughs> that's happening now that's why i said what's going on in people's hearts what's going on in people's hearts you could turn on the TV at any time and find out all the nonsense people are doing. And it's older people, younger people, grown people that shouldn't be doing these things. It's terrible on top of the pandemic. Now I have this one last one and I'm going to read. Okay, it's not the last one. It's just the next to the last one. And then I'm going to, and then I'll, I'll, um, then that's going to be it. 
Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of the Most High, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, that is a wonderful scripture. Why? Because you're asking the Most High to be transformed from the thinking and the, uh, the fleshly nonsense that's going on in this world. Okay, and this is what we need to pray for that all the time because the devil doesn't sleep and neither do the other devils. Now, you know, demon is not scriptural. So I'll just say, I will say it, but it's not scriptural. Because if I say devils, you still don't think of the devil. Demons don't sleep. They don't slumber. It says this in the scriptures. They don't sleep and they don't slumber. They don't nap. They don't have tea time. They don't have none of that. And we as human beings in this fleshly suit, even though we are a consciousness, in the suit that comes down here on earth, you still have to uh, do earthly and whatever. Try not to be in the earthly thought um, space. Um, try to elevate your mind. This is, this is why the most high is ringing the bell. He wants people to elevate their minds. He does not want people to think that you just this earthly mass that came here for a time and left. We are so complicated. We are so complicated from a complicated most high a spiritual perfection to think that we are just this meat sack that just came is the worst <laughs> it's the worst thinking you can ever think we are a very complex being from a complex deity that's who we are the most high who's the author and the finisher the father of spirits the father of everything if he shut everything down there will be nothing know that, understand that, because you not knowing and understanding that is going to bring you to a place of nothing, of naught. Now I have one more scripture and then we're going to wrap it up. And this is Matthew. I already told y'all go to Matthew uh, 24, read that whole chapter and Luke 21. If you want to know what's getting ready to happen to this whole world, go into those two chapters. This is Matthew 24 and 36. And I will say this and then wrap it up. It says, okay, before I do that, because I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to leave with that. I'm going to say these, Matthew, wait a minute. Okay. I'm going to say Matthew 24 and 12. And it's, it says, um, and because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will wax cold. Every day that this world goes by is more evil. And people are evil. That's what I'm saying. Check your heart. Older people, grown people, young people, babies. If the if these wicked people are teaching babies, the babies is going to be just like that. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, they are. Okay. All right. Isaiah 5 and 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What's happening right now? Just in politics, you cut on the TV. What are they doing to you? Gaslighting you, right? Anybody know what gaslighting means? Gaslighting is basically telling you that what you just saw that was evil, that wasn't what you saw. And I'm going to con you into thinking that you didn't see that. And if somebody run you down so much and tell you, you just see what I saw and they'll just keep saying it, this is how they brainwash people. And the most high said, well, and this is a major prophet saying it, woe to them who's doing that, calling evil good. There used to be this commercial. <laughs> and I said this before, but when 45 was the president, number 45, now we got number 46. But when 45 was the president, he used to do all these dastardly things right in front of everybody. Or he would say something that was really outrageous. And then he'll tell you, you didn't just see that or you didn't hear that. That wasn't me. When you, you saw it. So that's gaslighting. So there used to be this commercial from CNN that would come on and it would be an orange. It would just be this orange on a plane screen and they would just keep saying, look at this apple. This is a wonderful apple. I mean, they would just, played this um scenario out gaslighting they basically told you that you're being gaslit mm -hmm. 
I don't I don't know if it's gaslit, but I'll say gaslit for the past sense of being gaslighted. <laughs> okay. The last scripture I want to say to you. Wait. Okay, um, this is the next to the last. I know I keep seeing good scriptures, that's why. Okay, this is the next to the last. This is Genesis 6 and 5, and it says, the most high saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say, we're, the most I said, your heart is evil. This is not to say you ain't going to give your people, your uh, people in your family good things. Because the most I said too, if somebody, if your wicked parents, your wicked earthly parents could give you something good, what, what do you think the most high would give you? Who's the father spirit who's righteous? The most high understands and knows and knew before the foundation of the world that people's going to be wicked and evil. That's what I'm saying. What's, what's in your heart? I'm saying this for you to look inside yourself and check your heart. Check it, you know, because some of the things that um, come out of your mouth is from your heart. And all this, oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything. That's lip service. Now I have this last scripture and then we can go. And it's Matthew 24 and 36. And it says, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son of man, but the father only. What does that mean? That Yahushua is getting ready to step his foot down here. And nobody knows when. So like I said, get your heart in order. We're living in a time that all of us need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. We do. There's so many things going on in our personal lives on different um, levels, on different systems. And we, uh, many of us have trauma too that we haven't addressed. And we're all in a pandemic together. That's a mix of a terrible soup, a terrible, terrible soup. And a lot of us need to seek somebody. Now, I am not against therapy at all. So if you need it, you should seek it. But like I said, check your heart. If you're supposed to be someone of influence to someone else, you would do yourself a disservice to not be the best person that you could be for that person. And... With that, I will say, I hope that this lesson edifies you. And until next time. Hi, if you like what you're hearing, please hit the follow button so you can be notified when a new lesson is available. You can also upload a question or take a poll for more of your favorite topics. Thanks for listening.